0: Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36, is where we're going to be for our time in the Word this morning, as the Lord would encourage you and stir you and motivate you and allow you to even see deeper who He is. Now, let me ask you a question before I read. Have you ever been wrong before? Have you ever been really wrong? <laughs> Have you ever started off a conversation With somebody actually thinking you're right only to realize you were wrong even from the get go? Oh, yeah, it's called marriage, you know. It's called being a husband, you know. Honey, I wanna talk to you. You know, you're wrong. You're wrong. Gentlemen, you're wrong. I've been wrong before, and I don't like being wrong. I hate being wrong. And I hate, even worse, thinking I'm right. And in reality, I'm wrong. I've been so right before that I became wrong because I was so right. Again, that's called marriage. And the Lord is so kind. The story that we get to study as a group this morning is so endearing. It's so exposing. It's really so polarizing and so, so truthful. And as a matter of fact, going into this weekend, it's very busy, just stuff going on, and, and I didn't have the time to really put together the, the time that I wanted, and, and just seeing this text, and I so want to handle it well, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray first and ask God to sanctify this time, and to bring us into full attention to his word, and to let him do in us the work that he wants, and so would you bow your heads and close your eyes father it's in Jesus name that we approach you now with Thanksgiving your word Lord has been declared to us as true and powerful and will not return void but it actually will accomplish things and Lord, this story that Luke records for us he makes sure that we can study it at the tail end of a sermon the tail end of a really a weekend event with Jesus and something happened something so radical That we get to study it today that our lives would not be wasted, but instead that our lives would be renewed and focused. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and my sisters here, and for myself too, Lord, that we would be focused on the things of God right now. Holy Spirit, descend upon this place. Do a work in our hearts. And if there be anyone here right now that hasn't been forgiven of their sins, they're still in debt to you. May they hear those words today. Your sins are forgiven. And if there be anybody here that maybe has had that forgiveness, that debt wiped, yet they don't act like it, just forgetful, ungrateful, Lord, may you return us to our first love. Do a mighty work, Lord. We don't want to waste time. We don't want to. We want to invest it into the things of God. So, Lord, stir us up. I submit myself to you as your servant this morning, asking for your great help, Lord. And asking that your great glory would be to your account in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's just read a few verses and I'll set the table and we'll eat from it together. Verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, that is Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table that Pharisee's house she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this He spoke to himself. That's called a thought, y'all. He spoke to himself. A little cloud bubble pops up. Simon's watching this, like, what in the world is going down? This prostitute meandered into my home, weeping. And now she's touching Jesus, this rabbi, who I've invited here. I'm kind of quizzing, testing, scoping out. And he's watching this, and he can't believe what he's seeing, so he begins to think this thought. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon! Simon! because he was daydreaming, he was in his own thoughts, you know, needed to get his attention. You know, he's having this thought. You ever just sat there, you're having this crazy thought, Simon, you know, and the the Lord, he knew what he was thinking. See, this is the Lord. He knows our thoughts and our hearts and our intentions, not just our actions. We're we're pretty cool, aren't we? We make sure our actions, you know, are evident. Oh, I'm not going to do anything. We're making, the Lord I know your heart you might even be like this "Ah, hallelujah you know and the Lord's like I know your heart you're thinking about football right now (laughs) I know know. you (sighs) Simon maybe he didn't yell but he might he might have verse 40 and Jesus answered and said to him Simon I have something to say to you Ooh. and so he said teacher say it here's the parable. He now tells a story Jesus does. Two verses. It's one of the simplest parables you'll ever see in the scriptures. A parable, parallel, something, two truths running alongside of one another, or a truth in order to illustrate a point. Something's happening, and Jesus says, I'm going to tell you a story that's going to help you learn something from where we're at right now. He tells a simple, simple, simple story. Verse 41, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, One who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. One owes about, you know, 50 bucks, 20 bucks. The other owes about 5,000. Notice that there's only two debtors and one creditor. Just like at this meal, there's only three characters. Two debtors, Simon and the woman. And one creditor, one who can wipe that credit, Jesus. Simon at this point didn't see himself in the equation as a debtor. He saw himself very different than this woman. And so Jesus, doing him and us today a favor, says, Simon, I know what you're thinking. Let me tell you a story. Two people in debt, one with a lot of debt, one with a little in debt. By the way, how much sin do you have to commit to be in debt to the Lord? Is it a whole bunch? Or is it just like, just one? Just just one transaction of the flesh. And yet the religious people here today, the religious person inside of me, doesn't think this way all the time. We like to get our ledgers out and our accounts and our invoices and our statements. And we're like, oh, know, yeah, it's a little bit of debt, but it's not as bad as her, that's for sure. And the Lord would say, Luke! <laughs> Verse 42. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Very interesting word to use in a banking parable. Not which of them will be more grateful, I could see that word, or even more relieved. Which one will be more free in their finances? He uses the word love. Which one in this credit situation will be more filled with love? I don't know about you, but when my bank gives me, you know, some breaks here and there, I don't really write them love letters, you know. Dear Umqua Bank, love you guys, you know. (laughs) And I think he's using this word love on purpose because for Simon the Pharisee, evidently, the, his love had grown cold. It was all business. His relationship with God had become all business. And I would say there's probably 70 or 80%, maybe 90% here this morning that your relationship with God is very business like. You know where the boundaries are, you know what to do, you try and do it, you know what not to do, you try not to do those things. Very stoic about it. Easy to identify other people that are doing better or worse. And the whole thing is unilateral down here. It's very business like, And it's like ledgers and invoices and statements. And the Lord would look at Simon the Pharisee and then contrast Simon the Pharisee with the prostitute. T- to think that anybody would have any use for a woman like this would be amazing to think that Jesus Christ would say, I'd like to use your life, woman. I'd like to use you to to teach one of my bros a lesson, to teach one of my followers who've become very businesslike, what are you doing? And again, I used a large percentile, 70, 80, 90% of us in here, very businesslike with your worship to the Lord, your commitment, just like when you pay your creditor, you know, you don't stick a little love note in there. You know, here's the check. Sorry, it's late. Jesus asks him, Who, who's gonna be more in love? The one that was forgiven a little? The one that was forgiven a lot. Because Jesus is after love. Look at verse 43. Simon answered and said, and it's as if he struggles. He doesn't, he's called on the carpet here in his pharisaical high and mighty he says i i I suppose i suppose it's the one whom he forgave more (laughs) and he said to him you have rightly judged then he turns to the woman he says simon do you see this woman now stop right there eyes up here he begins to teach him from her life and i want to learn today from this portion of scripture as i said as i studied this out i was just so scared to teach this because it's so real and so important, okay? When you study the Bible, when you read it in the mornings, or when you go to school or learn or come to church here, this isn't just theology on ice, you know, doctrine. We're just kind of, you know, doing some formalities and Hail Marys and rosaries and just kind of in and out. Let's get out of here. No, no. This really happened. And as I went about my week and thought about this text, I kept wrapping my mind around the actual event. And as I teach it and put many words to this text, I want you to continually go back to what actually happened there at this event. That Jesus had just got done teaching. Remember? John the Baptizer sent people to him and said, Are you the one or should we wait for another? He said, Are you? Oh, really? You go tell John what you see. The lame walk. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. You go tell John and tell him not to be offended okay? because he's not getting out of jail. He's going he's, he's gonna to get a different route, but I'm doing things. And then Jesus went on to heal. Now, listen, I want you to get the context here because this actually happened. Jesus began to then teach and share. And there were some who listened to Jesus' sermon. We saw this last week that rejoiced and said, oh, man. And there were others that flicked their nose at him. Whatever, dude. And so Jesus, hands on his hips, said, you guys are just like those kids that when you play the flute for him, no one dances. When you weep and mourn for him, no one weeps. You're just like them. But listen to me right now. Wisdom is justified by her children. That's where the sermon ended last week, if you remember. Jesus is saying, look around, guys. Lives are being changed. When Jesus comes into a person's life, man or woman, single or married, when Jesus comes into a couple's life, when Jesus comes into a family's life, I was talking to a, friend, a couple friend of mine after church here, and they were talking about how their lives were so changed. They didn't grow up in a Christian family. This makes no sense to them at all. They've been walking with the Lord for three years now, and their lives are completely, radically different. They're foster parents now taking people in, serving, showing up, and they were telling me that their whole extended family in California has no idea what happened to them. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. You guys are crazy. I said, that's exactly right, because Jesus is real. And it makes sense to me when people are raised in a Christian family and do what they do and come back and walk in the Lord because the Bible declares that those seeds will produce fruit. It's awesome. But when somebody just out to left field gets hit with that fly ball of Jesus, what in the world? (laughs) And and Jesus says, (laughs) wisdom is justified by our children. There's nothing more powerful than the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, okay? The truth. Nothing more powerful. As a matter of fact, if you know something more powerful than Jesus Christ, it will change lives. Not just a few lives, but everybody. If you tell me about it, I want in on that stuff, you know what I mean? There's nothing like it. Jesus Christ, supercultural. cultural. He's, he's beyond time. He's everything. He is real. And he's preaching this message. And, and the Bible doesn't record what happens next. At least not here. In the book of Matthew, it's recorded. Jesus has some more words. He actually keeps talking. Here it goes right into this story. Wisdom is justified by your children. And then Simon's like, you want to come over for dinner? And Jesus is like, heck yeah, super hungry. (laughs) Or something like that. But before he said that, Jesus went on. You know what else he said? Hands on his hips. He said, you know what? This generation's so crazy. I'm playing flutes and you're not, you guys are nuts. No matter how we serve it up, John or me, you guys don't like it. And then he prays it's in Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 11. Same, same teaching, not recorded here. And he says a few profound things that some of you have heard. He says, Lord, I'm thankful that you hid this from the wise guys and I revealed it to the babes, the simple-minded. I'm thankful, Lord. They're going to be fun to hang out with, those guys that are thinking with their actual hearts, not just their brains. And then he goes on to say something crazy. He says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, in that context, come unto me yoke up with me learn of me and i'll give you rest for your souls can you imagine that word jesus here giving what i would call hard coaching get kind of a hard truth john suck it up doing stuff everyone else figure it out i'm doing stuff look around and then he would look to the hurting right there anybody is weary and heavy laden come unto me i'll give you rest for your souls Now, the only people that hear that message are those who are weary and heavy laden and need rest for their souls. And when you hear that message, it's like somebody filling a glass of ice water in the middle of a desert. I need a little bit of that. What happens next is Simon says, hey, come over for dinner. What happens at that dinner? This prostitute shows up because I believe both of them heard this message. All you who are weary and heavy laden, you want the truth? I've got the truth. And whether Simon's heart was pure or not, I don't know. It doesn't say. Jesus kind of gives him, you know, kind of a rough night. He's, he's wrong. He gets, he gets coached along the way. Let me tell you something, though. This woman did hear that. You who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me. And either way, the truth does something to you when you hear it, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, I would equate much of the growth that we've seen at South Beach Church in the last seven years to what I would say is the, the truth of God being held real high and respected, Okay? Not not cutting the corners off and making it softer or palatable or putting some sugar on it or hiding some truth, Just teaching the word. This is how it is. It's not my truth. It's his. If you're offended, you know, deal with it. Because guess what? Nobody wants to be lied to. Okay? There are people in today's day and age that don't want to hear the truth. But what they're saying is, is just lie to me and make it fa- sound better. You know, just kind of tell me what I want to hear. But then there are people who say, you know what? This is pretty important. Could you tell me the truth? Can you just give it to me as it is? And your knower begins to then beat. And you know that that's the truth right there. Man, that's the truth right there. And you want more. And like Simon or like this woman, you then begin to double click and invite yourself over to have dinner with him and get into his business. And I would tell you what, this story is awesome to me because we see all of this happening. Now, there's three characters. One is the Savior. He, He is that and he is that alone. Then there's the critical Pharisee, and then there's the sinful woman. Okay, which, which one are you this morning? Okay, one's highly religious, got some things figured out. Simon the Pharisee, he's got a house, he's studied, he's memorized the scriptures. The other's not religious at all. No one had helped her. She didn't know the Bible. She didn't have, there's no place for her. Not only is she a woman, which is one strike against you in that culture, and she's a sinful woman. She's, she's got no hope. One of them is well-studied. Yeah, he's educated. The other is absolutely uneducated, illiterate. One of them is well-to-do and the other is most likely stricken by poverty. One is respected by all. One has the respect of none. One is powerful, influential. The other has no power. One's in a good place and one's in a bad place. One is accepted and one is rejected. The sinful woman and the gracious savior. And yet this Pharisee has a dinner and invites Jesus to it. And that's where the story begins. Look at verse 36 again. It says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's home and sat down to eat. When did he invite him over? At the end of the sermon. All you who labor and are weary, come unto me. Right after he heard the truth, this guy went a little deeper. I would give Simon that much credit. He wanted to go deeper. He wanted to know. Maybe he wanted to show off. How many guys invite people over to your house just to show off? You haven't invited me over yet. You know what I'm saying? You know, th- maybe he said, I need to get Jesus closer to me. I need, to g- this, I need what this guy has. We don't know his heart or intention. We do know his thoughts because Jesus read them. He reacted, though. And Jesus invites, or should I say, accepts this invitation. I just love the accessibility of Jesus, Okay? Jesus says, yeah, I'll come over. I'll come over to your house and I'll hang out with you and I'll eat. Do you realize, Christian, you who are here, who are on the pharisaical side maybe, not realizing that Jesus wants to come to your house and fellowship? He wants to be part of your life. Not just part of your life, he actually wants to eat with you. There's nothing more intimate than eating with other people, okay? Seeing how they chew with their mouth open or whatever the case is and getting, you know, right there. And I have had some really down-to-earth meetings with people as we're eating together, and when you invite somebody over to eat, Jesus never turned down a meal, by the way. Okay, he loved to eat. He loved to eat with people. Even when he was walking, Zachari- Zacchaeus was up in the tree that one time. He's like, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house to eat. Get down. You've got to cook me some food. You know, goes over there. And in the Bible, it says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks at your heart. And if you open up, you're going to come in, and he's going to eat with you. <laughs> and, and his resurrected body, Jesus shows up to the 12, and they're doubting. There's actually 11 of them. And, and Thomas had been doubting, and Jesus said, look at my holes. Check them out. Look at the side. Check that out. And then the next thing he says is, you got any food to eat? <laughs> you know, you guys, any, you guys got any stuff to eat? He loved eating. I say that to say this. Some of you guys don't look at God right. Okay, you look at him as very cold and superficial, uh, the opposite of what it would be like to have a meal with somebody. Okay, You read your Bible in the morning because it's, it's on the to-do list. Got to do it. If I don't read the Bible, I feel bad. If I read the Bible, I feel good. That's why I do it. Really? Is that how you go on dates? You know, hey, want to go on a date? I feel kind of bad, you know, to, to your spouse. I'd like to take you on a date so I don't feel bad anymore, <laughs> you know. <laughs> really, That's, that date's not going to end well for you, taking your husband out or your wife out for that reason alone. But I just want to encourage you. Some, some meals I've had with, with people I love, I remember them. I remember the conversations, the moment. I remember because we were having food together, and I believe God wants to have you look at him in that way. Not so stoic and standoffish and and far away. He wants to dine with you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody would open up their heart and let me in, I'll come in and sup with them and they with me. That's radical. Now, they would do this at a triclinium-style table, which would be like an upside-down U. Uh, We got like a little animated picture here uh, that might uh, help you to see what that would look like. They would lay down on these tables. That's not a real photo. That's fake right there. But uh, they would lay down on these tables with their feet extended outward, and this one's obviously elevated. Some of them would be on the ground with couches and pillows. And we were in Israel a couple years ago, my wife and I, and went to this place called Abraham's Tent or Tabernacle and rode camels to get there and all the rest. And they had a meal set up just like this, and you would... Walk in the center of the table. There could be entertainment there or some service. And everyone just kind of lay around eating and fellowshipping, asking questions and learning. And this is the event that is happening at Simon's house. And Jesus agreed to go be with him. It's like Jesus would say, Sure, Simon, I'd love to eat with you. Maybe now we can actually get into some deeper conversations. Maybe we can grow a little bit. Maybe we can actually fellowship. And I bet you there's some Christians here right now today that. You read your Bible just fine. You pray. You haven't been to jail in a long time. You're doing pretty good. You know, you know what to do. But I wonder if the Lord would say, I kind of would like to eat with you. I'd like to hang out with you. It's different. As a matter of fact, at the before the first service, I was in my office by myself praying out loud. And just kind of talking to the Lord, just kind of just talking to him. And I decided to get real honest and just talk about my week. He knows my week. He was right there with me. But I began to talk to him out loud and just fellowship, and I realized just how how generous and kind he is to hear my voice in fellowship, and yet the temptation is, the tendency is to become very linear, you know, pray these prayers. Maybe you have an acronym-style prayer you go through, and you you can do this thing, or maybe it's, you know, whatever the ABCs. I don't know what you do. Just imagine doing that, though, at a dinner, you know? Well, it's good to have you guys all here. A stands for attaboy. We're going to give attaboys to everyone right now, so go ahead (laughs) and... Give, us, give me an attaboy, and B stands for, you know, whatever the case is, man, Jesus says, I'll, I'll go over there, let's, let's do some work, and I'll tell you what, I, uh, at our house, uh, you know, we got three kids, and I got a wife, and I got a, a dog, and I'm sure there's some other animals that live there, too, I'm not, not quite sure, but I'm serious, they, like, they multiply, like, we have these, they, my kids catch stuff, hey, I caught this, I caught this, and I throw it in the cage, and we're just like, no, you know, go release that thing, you know, and that's the neighbor kid, release that person, you know, and, no, you gotta, and it's crazy, and there's management. You know, at a house we're working, we're always doing stuff, and my kids are always saying, hey, dad, look at this, and, and I'm like, I'm doing things. I'm in project mode. I can't necessarily engage, but there is those times where we just sit down and eat, and we love to eat together as a family. Okay, we eat, and when you eat together, it's just crazy because all the personalities come out, and you got the kids, and no screen time, and we just enjoy, and jokes are told, and conversations happen, and things get wild, and sometimes you got to pull out the pepper spray and, you know, bring them back in, and, you know, it gets crazy at times, but it's just fun. It's real life, and in that culture, eating together was a way to grow deeper in fellowship and this response of Jesus. So the next time you read your Bible, or even pray, I just... Is it like, like you would to somebody that you're having food with? Are you being real with them? I think he wants you to be. See, in your, in your whatever, your weirdness, you're not going to be. But he would invite you. He loves to eat. He doesn't just want to be your boss and keep tabs. He doesn't want to just make sure you're growing. He loves you. Sure, Simon, let's, let's have some dinner. Now, when people would gather in culture like this, because we see two characters, Simon and Jesus, look at Verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table, how did she know? This was common knowledge. When you would get a visiting rabbi or a dignitary or an itinerant preacher in these small towns, they didn't have windows and doors and fences like we do. They were in villages. And when you went to somebody's house like this, it was actually kind of open for them. People were allowed to come to the door and just watch and even come to the window and listen when famous people would show up, when when people, leaders would arrive because they didn't have Facebook, okay, they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have Instagram or Snapchat. They had no way of getting news. This was common practice where people would just show up and glean from what was going on at somebody's house that was hosting an event like this. And so this gal shows up. Now Luke tells us that she's a sinner. Luke's a doctor, a historian. He doesn't tell us the kind of sins that she committed specifically. And then we see it concurred as Simon the Pharisee is scandalized. If Jesus knew who was touching his feet and kissing them, (laughs) for she's a sinful woman. Most traditions lend to the idea that she was promiscuous in her lifestyle. That she had not led a, a wholesome lifestyle, that she was a hooker, a prostitute, that she was a whore. And she shows up. It's not a surprise to Jesus. He's reading Simon's thoughts. And she shows up ready to worship. She brought with her an alabaster flask full of fragrant oil, worth anywhere from forty to fifty, maybe seventy thousand dollars in our day. This is Not something you would just leave the house with on the way to Target every day. She knew Jesus was in the house. And I believe that her sins, which we'll see, are forgiven. I believe they'd already been dealt with. I believe her and Jesus had had a conversation. I believe that she had been forgiven. Jesus knew that. And what we see now is the right response of a forgiven person who shows up ready to worship. Completely undone, broken, weeping. Convulsing so much that the tears coming out of her eyes were enough to wash Jesus' feet, which was Simon's job as the host. He was supposed to wash her feet. He didn't do it. And yet, this broken woman wept for a couple of reasons. Number one, the devastation that sin brings. Okay, sin will wreck you. And number two, the forgiveness that God brings. Okay, God's forgiveness is greater than any sin ever committed. I've struggled with sin my whole life, so have you. And occasionally I'll struggle with sin and not be able to find myself walking in freedom or at least forgive myself. And the Lord often asks me, how powerful is your sin, Luke? Is it more powerful than my son's blood? (laughs) No. Then get over it. Then get over it. You're forgiven. But there are those seasons where you process this reality, where this woman's at. And Jesus doesn't want Simon to miss it. Jesus who knows all. Simon, you want me to come over to your house? That'd be great. We'll do business. Heart business. We'll have some food. And this gal will show up. Jesus knows what's going on. And this gal will show up. And you'll see what a truly religious person looks like. You'll see what a true worshiper looks like. You'll see what a person who loves me looks like. Because she who's been forgiven much loves much because he who's been forgiven much loves much and i wonder if simon had forgot that don't raise your hand but how many simons are there here this morning don't raise your hand you've been forgiven much so much where your reaction ought to be just like this gals forgiven so much and if you're here and you haven't heard those words, they are for you. You are forgiven. You're forgiven. From what? This, this gal was wrecked. She was a complete mess. Noted by all to be a sinner. Destroyed. Nothing to offer except what she brings, which is need. Now, here's the deal. I need to just say this because it, it's important. We live in an overly sexualized culture. I think every culture has, I think every culture's had deviancy and chaos and perversion, just do a little world history, it's just crazy, it's everywhere, okay? That's not our problem though, our problem's our problem. And there is a sexual perversion within our culture. You can get pornography and sex anywhere you want nowadays, phones, internet, it's a problem. Let me just say this about sin. Sin destroys, I don't care what kind of sin it is. Okay, it'll taint you. It'll 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 wreck you, it'll bind you, it'll blind you, it'll desensit every kind of sin. But the Bible says this about sexual sin. It says this in First Corinthians chapter six, right on verse eighteen. It says that when a man commits sin, it's outside of his body, except sexual sin. It says that this he commits against his own body. There's a different there's a different penalty. There's a different weight. And I need to say that because these sins include all kinds of stuff. You might look at this woman and say, well, I'm not a prostitute. That's good. This includes our thought life, though. Our actions. Not just what we think, but what we do. Sins done before marriage are are prevalent in our culture. There are sins done after marriage. Okay, Pornography and lust. Fornication. Sleeping with people you're not married to. Living together before marriage is a sin. Not living together after marriage is a sin. Okay, just... (laughs) just making sure you're listening okay sleeping around messing around being passed around all sins that will cause you great damage and misery okay just hundreds of stories in here that would say yeah yeah it's true absolutely true this woman had done those things and she had heard that jesus was in the house okay she had heard that all you who are weary and heavy laden can come unto me and find rest she's not gonna miss that dinner I'm gonna go she's weeping she's broken her sin has wrecked her have you felt that guilt before of your own sin have you felt the shame and the pain the knot in your stomach the disappointment Simon hadn't felt that in a while and yet the Lord wants him to know you're a debtor too Simon this woman's sins and he'll say this and I'll say it too are many there's no hall pass handed out to her the blood of christ the death of jesus was required for her sins and yours too but she was forgiven she came she was prepared to worship one of the byproducts of being a great sinner is that when you meet jesus you become a great worshiper okay, this would have been very costly to her i don't we don't know where she got this most women would receive this from their fathers although based on her lifestyle don't think she maybe had a father don't know this would have been something she would save for her own marriage or maybe even her own death and burial this this anointing oil and yet she has went from death to life by god's forgiveness this would have been uncomfortable would it have not you ever seen somebody just snot flowing down their face weeping broken passionately worshiping the lord not as a show of expression of strength but out of complete humility and brokenness have you been there have you wept over your sins have you been broken absolutely undone unable to move at least a time or two in your life because of your sins there's people here at sbc who have not led perfect lives there's people here at SBC who have been rescued from much. And there's people here in Newport, in our county, that need Jesus desperately. And there's some people that you would even imagine are so far gone. But Jesus would say, no, they're not. She, she stood before him weeping. And the verbs used to describe her, I don't see any ver- verbs in Simon's life. He did invite Jesus over. Maybe there was some food prepared by his servants. It says that she began to wash his feet. She began to wipe his feet with her hair. The Bible says that a woman's glory is her hair. She undoes that bow or she did something. She she came ready to worship, but maybe she didn't know where this was going to go and she needs a towel now. I'll just use my hair. This man set me free. This man who I owe it all to this man who deserves. She began to then kiss his feet with her lips, weeping because of her great allegiance to Jesus, her great appreciation. Then she began to anoint his feet with oil. And this is the right reaction to the master that saves your life. Reminds me of the loyalty that you would see with a rescue animal who has been rescued and nurtured, healed and saved, taken care of. That rescue animal, and you might even say a rescue animal, that's kind of offensive. No, no, you're all rescue animals. Ah, I'm I'm a little better than that. (laughs) You have been rescued, saved from yourself, healed in the loyalty that ought to be evidenced in your life. And yet, so many Simons here this morning... I'm one of them. Oh, your sins are forgiven? Yeah, totally, bro. So you were going to hell, but now you're going to heaven? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. You mean you've been completely forgiven of all your offenses? Mm Mm-hmm. Next question. Wait. (laughs) Time out here. (laughs) Isn't this something that should dominate your entire life? Isn't this something that should rule your joy and your service and your love and your emotions? It should undo you and cause you to dine with him richly and live differently? Yeah, yeah, it actually is. And this woman shows up and begins to model for us what I believe a life well-forgiven looks like. Okay, Simon now is face-to-face with this lady and Jesus. And uh, Jesus has a way of joining people together that would never be together if not for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like people join together in Jesus' name that would never be together otherwise. Go ahead and just look around right now. Go ahead and look around. Don't look at me, look around. Some weirdos here today. You know what I'm saying? Crazy people. You got bikers in one chair and homeschool moms in the next chair both praising Jesus. You got ex-drug dealers sitting with their POs praising Jesus. Jesus. You know, cops and criminals, like, hey, I arrested you. Yeah, high five, you know, praising Jesus. Only Jesus can do that. And here Jesus is laying down eating this food, right? And Simon's, you know, playing it cool. And this woman shows up, and Simon's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Who let her in? And she begins to then serve, worship, give, and love Jesus. It's uncomfortable. If you were Simon, you would have been, man, this is weird. I don't know if Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus sets you up, though, for this kind of event, to know his grace more, to be rattled, to be undone, to be challenged, to learn something. Maybe you, like Simon, have stopped learning. Maybe you forgot to see. As a matter of fact, in a few verses, Jesus will say, Do you see this woman? Now we know what he's talking about. Do you see her? She's right here. But really, do you, do you even see people anymore? What do you see when you look at people? This is for you religious people here this morning. Jesus would say, what do you see when you see that person? Waste of skin. Mistake. Too far gone. Not somebody I would be with. And the Lord says, really? How about I create a special meeting for you guys? Because Jesus would be right in the middle and teach you a lesson. He'll set you up. I felt kind of set up the other day, actually. Maybe some of you saw it and it did hit the internet for a second. I was invited to Boss FM for a 7.45 a.m. interview to to promote an addiction awareness event that was happening the next night in Toledo. So as I show up there, I'm prepared. I know who's going to be there. We've got Sheriff Landers on my left and Deputy Pace on my left, and some other, you know, addiction awareness people. And I'm getting all ready. and in comes the next person sitting next to me, Eddie Bigger, the Weed Man. You know, the Weed Man with the suit on. And I'm thinking, see, where's he? Is he turning himself in, or what's going on? You know, what's going on here? I don't know he doing? Here? And he sits down right next to me. I'm thinking, okay, just, just stick to the plan. What's the plan? You know, we're talking about addiction awareness, and the weed, the weed man is here. Okay, this is gonna, it's gonna be just fine. And then Sharon, I think, is her name, and Sharon begins to then uh, do some kind of opening introduction to the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today we have Eddie Bigger, the weed man. He's here in conjunction with Pastor Luke Freshetta, South Beach Church, putting this event on. I'm thinking, time out! Don't say that so close together! Separate, what? We're not, we're not, no, no. Asterisk, put an asterisk there. They've got to double click. There's more to the story. They're gonna think something weird. I think something weird, you know. And let me just say, and there's a lot, we could have this conversation for a while in regards to that exact event, you know. And let me say this about Eddie though. I, I only got to know Eddie there at that event. I've never really met him. I've I've talked to him since then. We're friends on Facebook now. (laughs) Besties. Of of all of us sitting there, I I shared the gospel. I did on the radio, Boss FM. But Eddie shared it from a personal point of view. The amount of heavy narcotics he's been delivered from, the amount of abuse he's lived through, the amount of things he's overcome, and he gives all glory to God. Now, Now, some people would say, time out. Your suit has marijuana leaves all over it. I think the process I think we're I think we got some more work to do. And I would I would say, yeah, I I agree, so do you. So do I. And while I may not have a marijuana suit on, nor nor will I ever, just in case you just put it out there. Just quote (laughs) There's more work to be done in my heart too. Okay. And how easy is it to judge somebody who maybe is doing a sin or a weakness in their life that you would, oh, I never did that, I can't believe it. <laughs> and, and forget to see that the Lord is forgiven. And, and, it, and everyone's in a process. And everyone is in a different level of that maturation and while I would go on record and say that recreational marijuana is not anything that I have in my life, it's not something that I participate in or even condone, recreational marijuana, I think it's very dangerous, be very careful of that. The whole medical conversation I would have with you, okay, over dinner, you invite me over and we'll have that conversation, you know, and have a meal together, but, but I would say that the Lord has a way of making sure that we don't stay in our stuffy little rows. He, he brings people into our midst. maybe have a story that you need to hear that that you need to be challenged in the graces of god that maybe even in their lives are worshiping and serving and giving and loving in a more energetic way than you are (laughs) but i am more righteous uh... and the lord looks and says really wow what scale are you using i made my own scale well, how's your love? Cold as ice. <laughs> Keep it on ice. And The Lord's, he's, Jesus, just this, this week meditate on this story. This happened. Right after Jesus taught, he went and laid down and started eating food. And this woman comes in undone, broken, devastated, moving on from her past sinful life. That's where she was going, forward. And this Pharisee couldn't handle it. This don't make no sense. You're not a prophet, obviously. And I had people, by the way, attack me for being even associated with a radio program or in a picture with, I mean, it was in the newspaper, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, Pastor Luke, I knew he was a kook, you know? (laughs) (sighs) Jesus is getting mocked by Simon right now for the people he's ministering to. It may happen to you, it's happened to our church. We, we have all kinds of stereotypes for this church because of the people we let in. Okay, I told you to look around. You know, it gets worse, by the way, as the day goes on to the 6 p.m. It gets crazier, you know, and, you know, get the metal detectors out and frisk people. And
1: You know what I'm saying?
0: And we have come under attack. Oh, I can't believe you've been there. They got this, you know, they got the Yeah. Yeah. Because we're serving up Jesus Christ. And everybody needs Jesus Christ. And everybody needs to bring their sexuality and their perversion and their drug use and their addiction and their mistakes and their failures. Everybody needs to bring that into subjection to Jesus and say, would you forgive me? Would you help me? Would you have a meal with me? And Jesus is just playing the scene out. He sets this event up. This would have been very uncomfortable, okay? I actually am okay with a little discomfort in my life because I don't want to get comfortable. I don't want to become weird and lazy in my worship and my expression, my devotion to Jesus. So Jesus lets me see this story where somebody who I would give no respect to, somebody I would give no time to, somebody I would not learn from, Jesus says, stop. Listen, learn, and respect. This woman loves me. (laughs) What? What? Yeah, but I'm doing good things over here, and I'm not doing bad things over here. Do you love me? What's that have to do with it? Religion says. What does that have to do with it? Love covers a multitude of sins. Well, God knows our hearts. He sees what's going on here. She stood and wiped and Wept. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is, and who's touching him, for she's a sinner, man. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Say it. There was a certain creditor, and he gives this illustration of two creditors and or two debtors and one creditor, both being forgiven. And you see, Simon had not put himself in the equation of being guilty. And yet Jesus says, you're both guilty. You both need to be forgiven. The one who's forgiven more will love more. And there's people here right now, the real problem is your love for God. That's the real problem, just so you know. You're more focused on your righteousness. I just want to be right. I just want to be righter than them. I want to be righter than Eddie. I want to be righter than somebody. And and the Lord says, hey, 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 hey. It's your love for me that's going to be indicative of your allegiance to me in this world. Not just your righteous standing your love each and every person here has some sort of debt right now don't you so sort of, you have a credit card okay you owe somebody you own your house you own your car you have a debt something going on like school loans you owe your maybe your parents money you know we all have debt Okay? And every month you get kind of a statement telling you how your debt's going, what the interest was, and where the balance is, and all the rest, and you know, all that kind of stuff. If you don't have any debt, by the way, come talk to us. We'll just figure out who you are. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's got some debt. Imagine this, though. What if the Lord were to send to you at the end of every month your invoice, your statement on the debt that you owe him? Two types of sins. The sins that you commit, okay, which you shouldn't do, but you did it anyways. Ding, ding, ding. You get dinged all day long. And then the sins of omission. That is the things you should have done. But you're too lazy, too selfish, too distracted on your phone, too whatever, and you don't do the things you're supposed to do. And all of a sudden, what would that statement look like for you? And what if you got that statement? As is, here's your sins. But at the end it said, paid for in full. It doesn't matter if it's a lot or a little, paid for in full is what Jesus declares to sinners. And yet Simon the Pharisee, he didn't really think he had a ledger. Well, I'm, I'm not doing that bad. And even if you think you're not doing that bad, and maybe you're not, praise God. Here's the question. How are you ever gonna pay God back for what you are doing bad at? Even if it's not that bad, are you gonna be able to pay God back? No, you need to be forgiven. Simon the Pharisee didn't understand this. Verse 43, he answers after this parable. He said, I suppose the one that you forgave more, that's the one that will love. And Jesus said, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman. He said, do you see this woman? And he begins to then teach Simon the Pharisee a lesson on life and spirituality from a hooker. That's awkward. R- really? I'm Simon the Pharisee. Like, I kind of, I rem- memorized the Pentateuch. Like, I got some things figured out. I go to church. She's not even allowed in church. You're going to teach me something? Yep about worship jesus says this in verse 44 and on do you see this woman i entered your house you gave me no water for my feet she's washed my feet with her tears she wiped them with the hair of her head you gave me no kiss this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time i came in you did not anoint my head with oil but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many. Stop right there and just make sure you people, conservatives, Pharisees, whoever. Jesus isn't saying no big deal. Her sins were many. They were destructive. Many lives were destroyed. Her life was undone. Her sins, which are many. And some of you who are in here today, you have many sins. Many sins. And you need to hear what he says next. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And I need you to hear that. You who struggle with sin, who've had a promiscuous background, who've not done things right, who've done many things wrong, your sins are forgiven. Jesus would say to her in just two verses, Go in peace. Literally, go into peace. Walk set free. Now, how did she know her sins were forgiven? He told her. Same way your sins are forgiven. He tells you that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 1. That God has taken your sins and has removed them as far as the east is from the west. Notice the Bible doesn't say he's taken your sins and removed them as far as the north is from the south. Did you know that there's a south pole and a north pole? You could actually measure the circumference, there's actually a literal distance. What if God removed your sins a literal distance and that was it? There is an infinite distance from east to west. There's no east pole or west pole. He says, guess what? Your sins are gone, infinitely. Go into peace. It'll be evidenced in your love. Verse 49, the critics, maybe there's a few here. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Not that they were in awe that he could. But they were obstinate that he would. You can't do that. You can't just forgive me. Jesus Christ would be murdered for her sins in mine too. He would suffer the penalty of sin upon himself, absorbing the wrath of the Father in himself, going to hell itself, being dead and in the tomb three days. And because he himself sinned not, but bore your sin for you, rose victoriously over sin and death. Only person who can forgive sins is God. Jesus says, Okay, do the math. I'm doing it. I am God. Don't be offended at that. Last verse, verse 50. And then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. I need you to hear this because I'm going to end on a thought that's very important. It wasn't her tears that saved her, it wasn't her love, it wasn't her service, it wasn't her worship. It wasn't her wiping of his feet. It was her faith in his words. Her faith in his words. And what you saw after that was a response. Worship, giving, loving, and serving. Go, your faith has saved you. Faith in the very work and promises of Jesus Christ will be seen in works unto Jesus Christ. We're saved by faith, not by works. But we are saved unto works because of our faith this woman would be allowed to go in peace do you think she lived differently after that and by the way not just holistically and morally okay that's obvious her life was changed but she was a worshiper and she was a servant did you know when she left she smelled like jesus so close to him they smelled the same actually sharing this fragrant perfume on her hair She was changed altogether. And yet Jesus went to dinner at Simon's house, a religious man, a well-to-do man, an educated man, a respected man, a powerful man, yet a cold man, a heartless man. And Jesus said, I came over here. You didn't kiss me. You, you, You didn't give me water. You didn't give me oil. You didn't do anything for me. This woman hasn't ceased. And if there's a Pharisee here today that says, hey, we're saved by grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I don't need to do anything. Because I want you guys to be impacted in a way that is worshipful, that is humble, that changes your life. I want you to be changed. As a matter of fact, driving here this morning, I stopped at a store to get some food so I don't pass out while I'm up here. And I'm just thinking about this. Like, Luke, how humble are you? How, how grateful are you, really, on any given day? Or is it all business? got to get it done got to preach three services and study and you know marry him and bury him and doing stuff for jesus you know what was it like when you first started remember when you first started remember your first love it was such a sweet joy just to sing i get to sing to jesus and he hears me my sins have been forgiven we have fellowship now what was it like when you first began to read your Bible or to lead your family or to order your life for Jesus or to say no to sin and yes to righteousness? How, how sweet was that? And there's a tendency, just like in a relationship, to grow cold. Kind of like in a, in a marriage. You know what it's like to be engaged? Man, it's, it's fun. It's some it's hot stuff, you know, thinking about each other. Oh, Man writing each other notes and doing stuff and excited and everything. So And you just anticipate this love. And I remember my wife and I, when we were engaged, we would go to restaurants with booths and we would both sit in the same booth next to each other, you know, and people would look at us like, oh, you know, you dumb kids. And, you know, we swore and promised, we'll always sit next to each other while we eat, you know. And then you get married, you know. And slowly, if you're not careful... Your love just grows normal, maybe even if you're not careful, cold. And the Lord says, don't do that. Be, be passionate t- towards your God. Be, be passionate towards your loved ones, of course, but in the context here, Simon, you're a Pharisee. Like, you're in charge of the church. <laughs> you didn't even you didn't give me a high five, bro. You don't love me. Love. So what are your sins this morning? your sins of commission, the things you're doing right now that you shouldn't be doing. Let love be the motivator. Let love be what, what helps you to stop, whatever it is. Okay, not fear, not, not law, love. If you're hurting your spouse or hurting a loved one and you realize that, that it's causing them pain, it's, it's, it's easier to stop. Like, I don't want to hurt you. I'm going to bring this into subjection. So, so too with your, your lover, your savior, your rescuer. Or maybe for the Pharisees here, you're not doing all that kind of bad stuff. You're pretty, you're pretty good. What are you not doing, though, as an expression of love? What are you not doing? And this is for you Pharisees out there, you really good, high and mighty, super powerful Christian folk. What are you not doing that you used to do, your first love? Getting up early, seeking the Lord, prayer walks, journaling, Scripture memorization, repentance of sins, just sweet melodies. Meditating on things that are pure and true and noble. Just being nice. <laughs> I'll use one more illustration and I'll be done. Imagine if a husband and a wife were getting married and committing one- themselves to one another and the vows were being exchanged for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part, I'll never leave you. Now imagine the spouse on the other end said, really, you'll never leave me? No, no matter what I do, no matter what you do. Sweet, so I don't have to do anything? You mean I can go out here and be kind of weird on the side and do like some side stuff and you'll never leave me? <laughs> is, is that how you heard it? Is that how, you, and that's what we do. If we're not careful as Christians, the Lord will never leave you. He'll, he'll be committed to you. He will be faithful to his end of the bargain. And yet some of us find ourselves saying, cool, I'm going to go over here then. You would, you would never do that. You would never do that. The Lord offers to you pardon and forgiveness. And he wants your heart and wants worship and wants joy and wants intimacy. Just humility. And I find myself walking with the Lord long enough where I become a Pharisee and I don't see people on the side of the road the same as Jesus does. I don't see things the way Jesus does. And Jesus would say to me, and I'm going to have the worship team come up now. Jesus would say to me, Luke, do you see? Do you see Eddie? you see Eddie the weed guy? Do you love him? He loves me. He's got work. He's, He's got stuff that he needs to work on. He would be the first to admit it. But how about you, Luke? How's your heart? When I come into your home do you, do, you, do you greet me with a kiss, is there, is there joy and love? And this is what I want for me, this is what I want for you guys, so I'm gonna ask you to, to bow your heads and close your eyes and we're gonna end in prayer and take communion together and invite the Lord to soften our hearts and make room for himself as we take this meal together, this communion. Father, in Jesus' name now we thank you for your great love for us, that Lord you would invite us to come to the table. You would say, I, I don't, we do this often, guys, don't, don't neglect the table, do it to remind yourself of my love for you, that you wouldn't grow cold in your love for me. And so, Lord, as we come to the table now, we ask in Jesus' name that, Lord, we would be reminded that we would have our feet cleansed, that we would have our hearts softened, Lord, that we wouldn't be so pious and righteous and pharisaical like Simon But instead we would hear those same words that we need to hear every day. Your sins are forgiven. Go into peace. Go and live this way, no more. Be set free from your sins. And if you're here this morning and you need to hear those words, you've not been living right. You have been abusing drugs. You have been abusing pornography. You have been abusing your spouse. You have been abusing the things that God has told you to stay away from and you need to be forgiven. Or maybe you're here and you haven't been doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. Sins of omission. You've just been selfish and you've been lazy and you've been greedy and you've been out to lunch and you need to confess your sins. He wants to forgive you today. Do not take those sins home with you. If you need forgiveness right now, all eyes are closed, heads bowed. I'm not looking. Raise up your hand right now if you need the Lord to forgive you. You would humble yourself and say, "I'm the woman in this picture. I'm the woman in this story." Raise up your hand, Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name for sins to be eradicated, to be cleansed, for power of sin to be broken in lives, and for freedom to be rejoiced and for worship and love and service to be seen in the lives of those raising their hands right now. Raise your hand if you need deliverance. You know you're not a Simon the Pharisee. You're, you're out there. You need rescue. Raise your hand up. Don't miss this opportunity. You need to be rescued. From sexual sins, something that's gone wrong in your life, a, a, an anger problem, unforgiveness, lack of peace, fear just mongers you. Raise your hand right now and be delivered in Jesus' name. And if you're here, you can put your hands in. If you're here and you feel like you're a Pharisee, you just, you're just you not doing crazy bad stuff, but you're not enjoying Fellowship with the Lord. You're not having sweet meals with him. You you just forgot your first love. You got busy. It became business for you. And you want to apologize to the Lord and repent. And return to your first love. And you want to begin to read the Bible again. And to worship God and and to journal and to memorize scripture and to be nice. And to be a servant. Not just seeking to be served. You want to humble yourself to others. And you need to be renewed in your heart. Would you just raise your hand right now? Pharisees with me, my hand is up too Lord I apologize for, for leaving my first love for, Lord you're so good you've rescued all of us Lord from hell itself Lord you've gone to the cross on our behalf and you've called us favored and beloved and yet we don't act like it raise your hand if you don't act like it you want to act like it, you want to worship him You want to be soft and humble. You don't want to be prideful, arrogant. Lord, make us more like you. Thank you for this story. Thank you for saving this gal's life, Lord. Thank you for teaching Simon a lesson, for teaching me a lesson. We love you, Jesus. As we come to the table, may that love be expressed well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.